The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, friends, and welcome to Afternoons with Mike right here on the Shepherd Radio Network. Boy, today is a treat. We started carrying the Dave Ramsey Show. The Ramsey Show started on July 17th of this past year. And since that day, every day, We are blessed to have the whole team, not just Dave Ramsey himself, but he has a bunch of uh, advisors that work with him. They are known as Ramsey personalities. They co-host the Ramsey show with him. One of those co-hosts is with me today, George Camel. It is great to have you here with me today. Thank you so much, Mike. It is an honor to be here, and thank you guys for carrying the Ramsey show. Well, it is our honor to do it. I want you to know a little fun story that uh, happened on that very first day. I mean, it's etched in my mind, July 17th of this year. We were all, as you know, and you deal with radio and connecting radio stations to your network. I mean, there's a lot involved behind the scenes. There's a lot of tech involved, and you deal with that every day. Uh, even to the degree as a, a co-host has to deal with it. But I'm sitting back, and this is a big first day for us, and we've got the show as best as we can tell. All of the connections are made. But you know, George, there's that moment where you don't 100% know that uh, every— you, we used to blame Ma Bell for it, you know, back in the day. But you just never know that every technical thing is going to happen but it happened perfectly. And so I'm sitting, boy, I've got my arms up in the air. I'm cheering. I'm thinking, oh, thank you, God. It's We, we connected. We're on the way. Everything is going right. And the, you guys get to the first phone call. And I'll be doggone if it wasn't somebody calling in, listening to our station in Orlando. No I could, way. I couldn't believe it. And how that person was able to get through. Of course, we had been... Uh, promoting it for a couple of weeks going on that it was going to begin. And sure enough, so that that was a, a real big start for us here in Orlando. That's special. That's a core memory right there. It really is. And we have been grateful to have all of you on. I mean, it is really super uh, to get to talk with the different ones that are on this particular program and three hours every day. I mean, that is a big commitment that you guys all make. It's not just Dave, it's the whole team. So you're on there live fielding calls. I can only imagine what that's like, but let's talk about you for a moment. What's your background? Where did you grow up and how did you come to know the Lord? Well, I grew up outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and my parents immigrated from the Middle East back in the 1980s. And so I was a first generation American and I grew up in this wild little corner of, uh, I guess, in the, in the faith world that's called Arabic Baptist. What? Which is confusing. Yeah. I didn't realize it was weird until I moved out of Boston and people went, Arabic Baptist? I've never Baptist? heard of it. Well, there's not many of us out there, I'll be honest. There's about, I think, five or six Arabic Baptist churches in the country, and I just happened to grow up uh, in a Christian household that, you know, my parents knew the Lord from an early age, and I grew up in this interesting setting where it's the, you know, Southern Baptist principles, but, you know, the sermons are in Arabic. It's a very Middle Eastern community of many immigrants who have, have moved here and started the, their life in the American world. And so all the kids are generally first generation. They, they grew up here where they were born here. And so that was my background. And I grew up, you know, the classic sort of growing up in church. And it's like the 19th time you've prayed the sinner's prayer, and you're like, I think it's going to click this time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't right. until my teens that I really started to take my faith more seriously and got plugged into my youth group and started uh, leading worship at my church with English songs to kind of bring those into the fold at the Arabic church. And that was really when I, I became, I guess, on fire, and things really clicked for me. Now I have, there's so, so many things swirling around in my brain. First of all, let's talk about your parents for a moment. Were they raised Muslim? No. I believe my mom uh, actually may have been Catholic up until, you know, she was a very young girl, maybe five, six, seven. Uh, But my dad grew up in that kind of Baptist. You know, there's a lot of Orthodox. If you look at, you know, Egypt and Syria, which is where they're from, 
you do find a lot of Orthodox Christians, but there is a subset that is just kind of that Protestant, Baptist style over there, which is really, really interesting. I need to look more into it, truthfully, Mike. I don't know all of the backgrounds and all of that. I'm I'm just grateful to have grown up in a house where, you know, the Lord was front and center. Now, I did pronounce your last name correctly, because it's with a K, not with a C. So is that right? You pronounce it camel? Camel. That's right. In Arabic, yeah. you know, the actual pronunciation is camel, which sounds a whole lot like camel to me. And it actually means, I know it sounds like the animal, which is funny, and I love to make jokes about that. But it actually means whole or perfect or complete in Arabic, which is beautiful. Oh. Well, boy, how, how appropriate is that when it comes to our life with God, huh? I mean, that, is, that is just wonderful because we are complete in Him. And th- that's fascinating. Number one, I've never heard of the Arabic church like uh, what you've described it, Arabic Baptist, number one. And then to realize that uh, you've got generations now that are coming up as believers, and what a heritage to have both of those angles coming together. So you you came to know the Lord as a young person then with that influence in your life. Oh, absolutely. And and like any kid, you know, it's hard when you grow up in it to realize at what point is it not just this tradition, but it's something that's special and unique to me. Yeah. So that's something that didn't happen until I was in my teens where I dedicated my life to the Lord and, and got baptized a few years later. And so, you know, as one does, as you mature and grow and truly understand the faith, there's that moment where you take that next step and not just have it be Bible stories, but it becomes, you know, who you are and your identity in Christ. Now, I, I think that is so many people's experience. You know, we very rarely find somebody that gets, uh, let's say they, they accept Jesus when they're six or seven and that they make it all the way through without uh, having some significant thing. Uh, it's not uncommon at all to come really to serious terms with the Lord in the later teens or even in college. And that's that's a story that I hear regularly. But I'm so grateful that you had that heritage. And even if there were some moments of wandering, I'm sure that uh, the prayers of your folks for you when you were younger, uh, that came home in a big way for them in their faith oh, for you. Yeah, that's just yeah. great, man. Now, did you know early on that you were going to be good with money? Was that something that you knew all along? No, I, I knew my multiplication tables. That was about as far <laughs> as I got with numbers. I didn't know anything about money. My parents grew up, they were very frugal people, you know, and that I don't know if that's a Middle Eastern trait or just my dad loving coupons, but that was what I remember growing <laughs> up was you open up the Sunday paper and you go through looking at all the deals and the catalogs and looking at all the coupons you were going to clip. And so that was my understanding of money was money is something that is to be spent. And if you can get a good deal, that's even better. That's so right. Outside of frugality, I didn't understand all of the traps that are out there when it comes to money. I didn't understand how saving and investing worked. I, I got a nice picture of generosity. You know, mm-hmm. so my dad always let me uh, hand the check in, the tithe every Sunday. He would write the check and I would be the one who gets to you know, hand it over and put it into the offering plate. And so that was a beautiful tradition that I remember growing up, seeing my parents lead with giving first. And so I had that piece. I had giving down and frugality, but man, I didn't really understand what my future would hold as an adult and the money problems that would come with it. How did you get to that uh, part of your life? What trail did you take? What were some of the early stops along the way? Well, like many average millennials and now Gen Z and even some of the Gen Xers, I fell for the traps of student loans. And so when it came time for college, my parents were always just kind of like, well, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. We got this. And I thought, wow, they must be wealthy. They've got college covered. What I didn't know was that meant we'll be happy to help you take out student loans. Mm -hmm. And so that's what ended up kind of starting my, my college life. And of course that turns into well, I heard you have to have a credit score to live your adult life, so I got to get a credit card now. And so I, I collected a few credit cards and thought I was winning with cash back and Sky Miles. And then I graduated and I realized this American dream that I was told about of go to school, get good grades, get into a great college at all costs, and you'll have a great life on the other side. Yeah. Well, it turned yeah. out to be a lie because I was stressed out with $40,000 in consumer debt, cynical toward adulthood and frustrated with all of the people in my life that told me this was the path. $40,000 in credit card debt? Is that what it was? 
That was student loans and my credit cards. And the so majority of com- that was the student loans. Yeah. 36 k in student loans, $4,000 on the credit card. And I realized my paycheck was not as much as I thought it would be. You know, yeah. most people who graduate college, they go, well, I'll make great money later. I'm not worried about it. And little do you know how much you'll actually make. And so most of my paycheck was eaten up with just bills and debt payments. Yeah, you know, $40,000, just to put that into my lifetime and into my, you know, what, what was going on when I was in college. When Cindy and I got married, the first house that I bought in 1977, I think is when we actually purchased it in the spring of that year, moved in later in the year. We bought that house. It was a 1930 two bedroom home in Evansville, Indiana. We bought it for $14,900. Oh my goodness. You couldn't get a, ye- a used Kia Forte for that. <laughs> I know That's it. Amazing, Mike. 14.9. And one year later, George, that house appraised for 25000 Just like that. Wow. But then at, at what happened next was it stayed at 25000 because this one president we had named Jimmy Carter at the time. And we all know what happened with interest rates. Interest rates shot up to at one point as high as 21%. And no one, we couldn't sell that home. We wanted to move up out of a two-bedroom to for a three-bedroom. We couldn't do it because nobody could could move then. And a lot of people in our town, they were moving away to Houston where jobs were were much more plenteous there than southern Indiana. But anyway, that that's what happened. And, and so we were we were there for, I think, seven years before we moved to Florida. And that, so you have a $40,000 student loan and credit card. That's like three plus, you know, three times what, almost three times what I, what my house costs when I was young. So now you, you fast forward to a couple of years ago, George, and I was talking to a student that was graduating from college, a, a great college, but it was a big college. I should say, I don't know how great, I think it's great. But their student loan debt was $250,000. Oh, my goodness. just takes your breath away. $250,000. So in my mind, I'm thinking, and how do you do that? And I, I asked this person that. And then the second question I asked was, do they have plans to help you? And this is what shocked. And I think this is a, a lot of where the world revolves. They said, well, so many people that she had talked to really gave them more details about how to always avoid paying it than paying it. So there's mm-hmm. this kind of a, a underwritten understanding that you just kind of skirt and carry the debt really for the, your entire working years. Never get out of it. And that's what we've seen on average. It's taking people 20 years to pay yeah. off their student loans. And these numbers are now not uncommon to go into high six figures when you look at the price of tuition and room and board and books. You go, all right, it's going to be 70000 a year. Well, over the course of four years, that's $280,000 you spent on that degree. That's right. That probably is not going to ROI with the job that you get on the other side. That's right. That return on their investment is going to be a little on the light side when they start actually uh, paying for things. And they've, now they've got to buy a house. And uh, I guarantee you if they're starting to buy a house, they're not going to find any $14,900 houses anymore. No. People are angry as soon as you said that. They went, oh, my goodness, Mike. <laughs> I know it. $100,000 must have been nice to go back to 1977. Well, but and then the when reality sin- we're in. Yeah, in 1985, again, this is bringing it a little bit closer. Cindy and I moved to Orlando. Like I said, we were down here for several months after I sold my home in Indiana. We bought our first house here in Orlando, and it was a nice three, it was a nice three, two it had, I think, about uh, 1250, 1300 square feet, not a big house. Uh, and I paid 62000 for that house. Wow. That's still a steal. A steal. Yeah. So things are, are a lot different today. And, and I guess, George, I, you deal with this every day on the phone when you're talking with people. But if they don't get a hold of this, this is like a runaway freight train that will just take their life and run with it. Isn't that right? Oh, absolutely. And I talk about this in my new book, Breaking Free from Broke. I, I lay out how we all just sort of fall into these this path where we get the student loans and you got to have the car. You got to have a nicer car. Now that you graduated, you're an adult. So we get the nicer car with a nice payment on it. 
and then we have to get the house because renting is a waste of money and it's a sin our parents told us. And so now they feel pressure to buy a house before they can afford it. And all of a sudden you look up and you have no money. And yeah. regardless of how much people are making, they feel broke. Yeah. It, and we're it's, seeing that in the numbers. People who make six figures, you know, one out of three of them say, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And we get that call on the Ramsey show all the time. We got one yesterday. Guys making $190,000 and they are broke up to their eyeballs, debt all over the place, and they can't breathe. And yeah. so people think, well, if I just made more money, my life would be better. No, you got to get control of what you have and get out of debt. And all of a sudden, the money that you do make becomes enough. Now, you know, that uh, thing that we hear all the time from Dave Ramsey and all of you guys, you live today so that you can really live on that day. You, the way you live today, you start planning. You, you, you live in such a way that you can have a future and that you're not always living from paycheck to paycheck like that. And that is really hard. I think a lot of people, they'll hear that. And I'm not really sure that they're willing to live today like no one else so that one day they can live like no one else. That is kind of lost in this culture, isn't it? Well, we, we have this need for instant gratification, and we want everything instantly, all of the time, 24-7, Amazon Prime, two-hour delivery, and we've lost the muscle of delayed gratification. Yeah. And, you know, some of it is entitlement, but some of it is just the, the wild pace of the culture we live in. We all are living like the hare instead of the tortoise. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the main reasons that it's causing us to make bad financial decisions. We're making impulsive decisions because we feel like there's no time. We have to be in a rush. We have the wrong inputs that we're listening to. And all of a sudden, we make enough of those decisions, and we can't breathe because we're 100000 in consumer debt. Yeah, and I think those figures, I mean, even your level of debt that you mentioned, 40000 that would probably be on the low end of what a lot of your phone calls come in. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, I was in that 40000 of debt was back in 2013. And so you look at, you know, 10 years, inflation, the housing market, the cost of tuition skyrocketing, auto loans, and how, how expensive cars have gotten. And so you add up all of these numbers, we're now $17 trillion in consumer debt, uh, and, and as well as mortgages. So yeah. average mortgage debt alone is 236000 Average student loan debt is 38000 Average auto loan debt is 22000 Credit card debt's almost six thousand. You start to add these numbers up, and the average person is going, "I got a thousand, two thousand dollars in debt payments, mm. and that's not even counting the mortgage. How am I going to get to next week, let alone retire with dignity?" And so that's the, the the equation we're trying to walk people through every day on the Ramsey Show is showing them a way out, giving them a little bit of hope that there is a way out, and that they are in control. That the person in the mirror has way more influence in your life than the guy in the White House. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, I think that uh, little saying that I heard a long time ago, the problem is not the White House, the problem is my house. And that's what, that's what we have to do. We have to start where we are. And that's what I love about what you guys do on the phone. When you get a caller there, you begin to ask lots of questions, and it doesn't take long for them to uh, lay out just why they're in such financial disorder because they owe this and they owe that and this. And when you add all of those things together, it, it is uh, an unbearable load. And yet you guys in real time give them hope by kind of sorting it all out with one step, like the baby step thing that you always take. George Camel is my guest. We'll be back with George in a moment. We're up against a break right now. George is a Ramsey personality, a co-host of The Ramsey Show, heard every day here, 2 to 5, right here on The Shepherd. We'll be right back. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. 
Back on the line with George Camel. George is a Ramsey personality. He's a co-host on this daily program, three hours every day. Now, I've never been up to the Ramsey Solution Studios, but I bet that is a hop in time during that uh, three-hour block, George. We'd love to have you, Mike, anytime. It's open to the public, uh, and that includes you, but it's a great time. We love having visitors come from all over the country, many of them excited to celebrate a milestone in their financial journey or you know, stay on the path as they continue to pay off debt or pay off the house or become baby steps millionaires, as we call them. Yeah. So we love having guests. We've got a, a whole unique visitor experience with a whole coffee shop and bookstore, and it's a whole free experience. If you, of course, are welcome to buy a book while you're there. But of course. It's an awesome time. Although I have most of the Ramsey books in my library, I'll say that, but I, I'm all up for books. I love books. I'm a former pastor, for crying out loud. You got to love books, man. You got to <laughs> love to read. That's even right. in different languages. That is exactly right. You know, Nashville, where you guys are located, is one of my favorite spots. In fact, it's in my top three. If I weren't in Florida... I would either be in Nashville or in Dallas, Texas. Now, those are the three spots that I would I would be happy to live in. Nashville, because of my background in country music in the uh, 70s, I, I have a lot of friends that uh, live in that area. So I need to come over and be a part of that experience one day, man. I'd love to see it. Absolutely. Well, we don't need any competition from an amazing broadcaster like you. Oh, you stay in God. Orlando. Oh, no way, man. Thank you for that. Well, look, I, w- I want to go back to your $40,000 for a moment. And you've, you have this load, you, you, I, your eyes are opened. You realize, okay, I'm 40 grand in debt and life is not working out just the way it was. In your life, George, what did you do and how did you find the first steps, those baby steps, as to how to get out of this hole? Well, I actually, happenstance, which I think it was a provision from God, but I got an internship working for this guy named Dave Ramsey, and I had heard of him, you know, being in the South and Mobile, graduating college there. I had heard about this Financial Peace University thing, and so I got this internship, and as part of onboarding, they have all team members go through Financial Peace University mm-hmm. to kind of figure out, hey, this is the mission, this is the core teaching, uh, this is the plan, and so that's where I had this paradigm shift where I began to deprogram everything I thought I knew about money. So I started to do some radical things. I cut up my credit cards that I had been holding on to like a security blanket. I watched my credit score disappear as I paid off my debt. And in 18 months of doing side hustles, living on less than I make, getting on a budget, uh, just not living frivolously as a 23-year-old who wants to go out and have a good time, instead it was, you know, lean cuisines from the freezer and doing Uber and Lyft on the weekends to make extra money. And all of a sudden, 18 months later, I had gotten rid of all $40,000 worth of debt. 18 months. Now, a lot of people would hear that. I think, you know, again, if we're talking about somebody with 100 k it's obviously going to take a little longer than it did for you. But that, in, in hindsight, the people today, when you look back, they're making more money than you would have been making. So I don't know that percentages... It's uh, it's going to be that different than what it was for you even today. Yeah, we find most people who follow this Ramsey plan, they do this debt snowball and baby step two with gazelle intensity, as we call it. They end up paying off their consumer debt in 18 to 24 months on, on average. On average. And so some might take longer, some might do it even faster. But on average, you're talking about under two years to be completely out of consumer debt, potentially for the first time in your adult life. Oh, I love it. And, you know, when you have this... Um, these calls that are coming in. And, and, and this is the fun thing. Having done radio for years, I, I know that there's a particular challenge. You guys have to not only be good listeners, but when you're answering questions in real time, the way you do, somebody's calling and, and they've got these massive debts and they're, they're already feeling bad. And it's probably a, a miracle of God that they've got enough courage to call and kind of open up as, as they do. But, but what I love about it was you guys start with, asking questions, and you do it in such a way, and I've listened enough, George, to you guys do this, you ask questions in a way that it does not feel judgmental. How do you do that? Well, I think part of it is the empathy realizing we've all made money mistakes. Mm. You know, if you're over 12, you're probably there. And so it helps to remember that I'm not special. I'm not a, a prodigy when it comes to finances. I'm just a guy who's on the other side of it, and I can help people out 
of that hole and, and help pull them up. If I do that with kindness, with grace, sometimes it's a kick in the pants. We've all seen Dave Ramsey do that on air. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's an 18-year-old knucklehead who thinks he knows everything, uh, sometimes you need a little bit of that tough love. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're a show about hope. And so too many people out there have got the hope beaten out of them. Life has hit them. A lot of these, this place they found themselves is not their fault or it's not all of their fault, but it's their responsibility to take the right next step. And so that's what's always going on in my mind is asking questions. You know, sometimes you want to entertain on radio, which is always an important piece of it. But at the end of the day, if I can help someone in six minutes uh, take the right next step, that's a huge win. It really is for them. For that person, it can be a life-changing six minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is that they're on the phone with you because the rest of their life can be enjoyed in a way that they're not going to do it. And the thing that I think is so shocking to me is I listen to your show and the different people that call in. Most people, they are they are uh, maybe taken back maybe a little bit by some of the questions were, you get the feeling they haven't asked themselves some of what I would call like the common sense question, like, do you really need three cars? There was a person there the other day that owned three cars. Yeah. And, and, you know, they and the advice that I think it was Rachel that gave them, you need to sell them all. <laughs> and that's that's yeah, what I was thinking. We, we joke on the show that that's always what we're going to say is sell the car. Sell, sell the car. Sell one the time car. I said sell the horse, and I learned my lesson on that one, Mike. <laughs> the horse people chimed in. Um, but that's, you know, sacrifice is, is the name of the game. A lot of the time we just, we've been living La Vida Loca, just spending like crazy, like Congress, and then we wonder why we're not where we want to be financially. And sometimes you got to amputate the Tahoe, as Dave likes to say, in order to finally get ahead, because these car payments are killing us. So many people these days are underwater, and the car is is worth way less than what they owe on it due to a series of bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And they're going, how do I get out? I don't think I'll ever get out. And so part of this is you got to do hard things, sell the car, got to get on a budget, you got to get the side job. These aren't fun things. But you know what's fun? Having peace in your life, having less money stress and less money fights with your spouse. That's and, fun. And you know that those kind of money spouts and this kind of fighting between husband and wife, it, it, that's one of the major problems with divorce in this country. It's over finances. It's over misspending and, and getting in all of the pressure. And I, again, it's so easy to get in debt. It is so hard in their mind to get out of debt. And yet you're proving that it is not as difficult as I think most people think it is to get completely out of debt. Absolutely. The plan is simple. The problem is people like to complicate it and go, well, that's too simple. I need a more complex way. I need a debt relief settlement consolidation program, tax-free wealth hack with whole life insurance. And we're going, man, if you just make extra payments on the principle of your debt or your mortgage, it will disappear. Yeah, It's that simple and it's that hard because you have to swallow your pride and follow a proven plan. This is God's and grandma's ways of handling money. The borrower is slave to the lender. I can't read it any other way, that you will be more free if you don't owe people money. You know, I think you mentioned something earlier about the federal government, and I, I, I've got a question about that. Uh, years ago, President Ronald Reagan made a statement about how that, and he uses a quote, I may butcher it a little bit, but it goes something like this. We will treat government with the same common sense principles that we all employ in, in meaning in our personal lives. And yet how crazy is that? Because now in this day and age, I think very few people in individually speaking in their lives use common sense judgment when it comes to finances. And we are in a real way more of a mirror of what's going on in Congress in the federal government today than perhaps at any other time. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. When you look at consumer debt versus the the federal debt that we have as a country, you're going, all right, well, we're all in trillions of dollars of debt. And so it doesn't even feel real anymore as we see the debt ceiling continue to rise, consumer spending continue to rise. We're hitting record numbers. America is number one in a lot of things, and debt is at the top of that list. Yeah, We hit record credit card debt, a trillion dollars. Auto loans are at a record high, now surpassing student loans. HELOC debt has skyrocketed as home appreciation has, uh, has increased home values and causing people to go, oh, look at that, free money inside of my house. I'll use it like a piggy bank and a credit card. All of these decisions 
are causing us to go further into debt and further away from our goals and further from peace, which is, I think, what we're all after at the end of the day, is a more peaceful life in a chaotic world. I love that. We need that. We need peace in our heart. Uh, I've got to ask this question, since we're talking about cars especially, because I'm very concerned as a, as a, just a user, I'm a consumer, I'm still driving and Lord willing will be for years to come. Uh, With what's being pushed on us right now with all of these electric cars and knowing how much just one single battery and yet the charging of all of this, it seems to me that this whole preponderance about automobiles is going in the direction of higher, higher, ever higher costs than ever before. Am I wrong on that? Well, there's no such thing as a free lunch, and there's, there's trade-offs all over the place. And I got a call the other day. This guy said, hey, I bought a $60,000 electric car to save on gas. Yeah. And so now I'm $60,000 in debt. And I went, let's do some quick math here. How long would it take you to save on gas when you're $60,000 in the hole? And so I think you're right in that it's causing us, you know, cars are expensive all over the place, whether it's electric or, you know, a gas car. And we're making really poor decisions because of the price of gas is up. So I'm going to go get a $60,000 car loan for this electric vehicle. Or I need something reliable and safe in today's world, so I'm going to go $60,000 into debt. And as car prices have gone up, auto loans have gone up, the interest rates have gone way up, and it's causing a lot of pain for people out there. And it's only compounded by the credit card debt and the mortgage debt and the student loan debt. All of that is just coming to a head. And so we've got to make better choices in every single area as consumers. All right. Now, I've got to ask you another question because I know how you're going to answer this. But so many people will come up when they realize that they're in problems with debt. And the first thing they do, they listen to some wise uh, counsel, they think, that's been given to them in a commercial. And they want to go and get a consolidation loan to pay off all their debts. I know that's got to be uh, one of those uh, quick buttons that are pushed there at the Ramsey Solutions, man. Oh, yeah. This is a big – people think if I just move around my debt, it will solve the problem. If I can just put it under the rug or put it all together, it's going to make my life so much better. And what we found is that the problem is we know that personal finance is 80% behavior and only 20% head knowledge. And behavior says uh, I can't just move debt around and think that I've done something. Right. And that's what happens with debt consolidation. The other thing that happens is you actually lose motivation. You lose the ability to make progress because you put all of your debts into one giant debt. And with the debt snowball method that we always recommend, you line up your debts from smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate, and you tackle the little one with a vengeance. Yeah. With debt consolidation, now you just have a giant mountain that you're trying to climb. And those lower interest rates don't always stay low with these debt consolidation loans. There's no guarantee your interest will be lower. You're going to be in debt longer with these loans. Mm-hmm. You didn't eliminate any debt, and your behavior with money doesn't change. And so the other piece of this is think about it. You're watching a commercial for this. You're looking at an ad on Instagram for debt consolidation. Don't you think they're winning if they're the ones paying to advertise this in front of your face? They're not doing this out of the kindness of their hearts. They're making money off of you by trying to show you this path that looks like it's going to be a win for you when it's really just a win for them and keeps you in debt. Now you're just in debt with them instead of the other company. Exactly right. And then they'll take their credit cards, which did have balances, but now they're zeroed out because of the consolidation, and they kind of start all over again. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And then they go, I saw a commercial one time, George, and it went like this. Great, I can consolidate all my debts, and now I can have the money to buy the things I really want. Oh, my goodness. I saw a yep. commercial. That's exactly what the guy said on the commercial. Well, that they, wanna, they don't want to pitch a, a hard life for you in these commercials. They want to tell you, you can have everything you want. You don't have to save for it. We are the answer to all of your financial problems. And if it sounds too good to be true, it is. And if it sounds like it's going to encourage more bad consumer behavior, you got to have some self-awareness and discipline to run from those things. And so yeah. if it looks like it's going to be difficult and involve some sacrifice, it's probably a better move. Yeah, that's right. Well, I've got just enough time to ask you another question, and that would be, of all of the calls you get, obviously not naming names or, any, or even a time frame or whatever, what would be one of the more difficult things that you've dealt with uh, on your show that you saw somebody turn around? What would that be? Hmm. Well, you know, when folks call in who are 
more experienced in age, let's say. You know, they're they're in their 50s or 60s or even 70s, and they're saying, hey, listen, I'm just getting around to getting control of my money. I don't know what to do. I have not saved for retirement. Those are really, really tough calls. Yeah. Because when you're young, when you're 25 and you made some bonehead decisions, you have some time to undo those. You have the power of compound interest in the next 40 years of a career ahead of you to make up for lost time. When you're 60 or 70, it's just harder to, number one, change your behavior, but number two, to make progress financially. But I'll tell you, some of the most inspiring calls are from those same people who call in and say, hey, I just heard about you guys. I was 58, I was 65, and I started listening to The Ramsey Show. And five years later, seven years later, here we are, and we don't have any debt. We are going to be able to retire with dignity. We paid off our house. And it gives me so much hope that if you can fog up a mirror, there is still hope for you yet that you can turn this around and leave a legacy <laughs> that you're proud of and live a life you're not exhausted by and not have to turn to your kids to take care of you in your older age, which is what we see so much on the show. If parents put this burden on their kids and they go, well, I took care of you when you were young, so now it's your turn to put your financial future on hold because I didn't prepare for mine. Yeah, And that's a call we get all too often is the the – they're trying to save the house for mom and dad because mom and dad bought too much house and got the HELOC and were spending like they were in Congress for the last 20 years. And so the best time to plant the tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. And the older callers always inspire me when they can still turn it around that late in the game. Yeah. And and it's better to be late to the game than to never get into the game, right? Yeah. Well, so many of them have just lost hope, truthfully, yeah. Mike. You know, they're going, well... It's been, uh, you know, this is it for me. I'm going to retire with no dignity. I'm not going to be able to live, the, do the things I want to do, live the life I want to live, give like the, the way I wish I could. And so that, that kind of lack of hope, I think, is holding people back. And so even if you're not going to be a multimillionaire, there's still a chance to get rid of your debt. You don't leave your kids with that burden. Right. There's still a chance to get that house paid off. And Absolutely. all of those decisions become harder but it's still possible regardless of how old you are. And so if you're listening to this and you're younger, make sure that you're taking the right steps. I agree. Take care of your family. And it's one of the best ways to say I love you is retiring with no debt and a pile of money. There you go. George Camel is my guest. We'll be back. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Back with George Camel. George is a Ramsey personality, a co-host on The Ramsey Show. He is a personal financial expert. And I think all of us would agree from listening to his advice, that's exactly what he is. And you know, George, when we're talking about these things, everything we've talked about hits some age. I don't think there's any anyone alive today from the uh, spectrum of being in their 80s, maybe even 90s, on down to those youngest kids that are graduating high school maybe this year and getting ready to get into this world and be confronted with debt in college, etc. cetera. Uh, there's not a, a one of us that can't learn something from the Ramsey show because you guys offer things that are transgenerational and they, they really are a blessing regardless of age, right? Oh, absolutely. The principles of, you know, give, save, and spend wisely, live on less than you make, you got to le learn that when you're 20, and you got to still be living that when you're 70. Yeah. And what we teach is we want everyone to be able to build wealth, and there's a biblical way to do it. Uh, Proverbs has the most financial wisdom you could ever want right there. If you just read through, the, read through those 31 Proverbs, you will get a master class in, in finances, and that's kind of the baseline foundation of what Dave Ramsey has been teaching for 30 years, mm -hmm. that the borrower is slave to the lender, that wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. And so from debt to wealth, the Bible talks about those things. So let's so talk about what we want to help everyone with. Well, let's talk about those first time home buyers and those that are in need of a housing that say they've moved to Orlando 
and they are they're coming from uh, up up north, but not in one of the big blue states. And so they might be looking at uh, housing costs that actually would be higher than what they would have been, let's say, if they're from Indiana, Kentucky, etc. Some areas are not as high as like what we are in some areas here in Florida. So they're confronted with a choice. Do I rent or do I buy a house that is maybe more expensive than I wanted to spend? I'm going to have a higher mortgage. How do you advise people like that? Well, I want to start with the fact that I have real empathy for those people. I know they feel the pressure. There's FOMO. There's frustration. It may feel like they're behind compared to their friends and family. And their parents are judging them with comments like, you're throwing away money on rent. But guess what? They don't pay your bills anymore. You're an adult, and they don't get a vote in the biggest financial purchase of your life. So what it comes down to is not caring what other people think is a superpower in today's world. Mm -hmm. And if you can harness that, you're going to have more joy and peace, less stress and anxiety, and you're going to buy a house with peace. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a blessing instead of a burden. And too often we take that call on the Ramsey Show where someone bought a house before they were financially ready. They still had a bunch of consumer debt. They didn't have the emergency fund but they just couldn't stand renting any longer. So they just went ahead and bought a house with you know, little to nothing down, and now the mortgage is killing them. It's 60% of their take-home pay, and they're wondering how they're going to keep the lights on and how they're going to still save for retirement and save up for that vacation. And all of that stuff compounds when you mm-hmm. have uh, too big of a home payment. And so renting shows patience and responsibility. As you get your financial house in order, you save up that down payment. You get out of debt. You get the emergency fund. Mm-hmm. And as you know, it's not apples to apples. When you look at renting versus home ownership, you got home maintenance, repairs, more expensive insurance, increasing property taxes, HOA fees. It's all on you mm-hmm. versus rent, which is, you know, the landlord's got to deal with the, with the broken toilet or the roof repair. Mm-hmm. And so it, you can't compare it. And I always recommend, I beg of people, do not buy a home before you're ready because it will become a burden. How does anybody know they are ready? Well, there's some parameters that we have at Ramsey that we found give people a lot of peace. It's not easy, and it's gotten harder, of course, with this housing market. But you know you're ready when that mortgage payment is no more than a quarter of your take-home pay. Mm-hmm. And you can do this with a 15-year fixed-rate mortgage. Mm-hmm. That's how you know we're ready. And that will also dictate the down payment goal that you have. And so if you're crunching the numbers and you're going, hey, the math ain't mathing, well, you might need to reset your expectations. You might need to move further out. You might need to go with the town home instead of the single family home, or you might need to save up a bigger down payment. Now, here's another question that I think is a lot of people's situation because of interest rates only recently jumping the way they have just almost through the roof. But just a couple of years ago, people were getting mortgage refinancing done in their house in the twos, 2%, 2.5%, etc. And now if they're holding that mortgage at 2.5 or 2.7%, uh, is it a good thing for them to still pay off their house as soon as possible? This is a question we get a lot these days, Mike, because people are making, you know, 4 or 5% in a savings account. And so they're saying, hey, it doesn't make sense to pay down my mortgage when I could be making 5% on my you know, $20,000 emergency fund. Well, for starters, the math doesn't quite math on that one either because you don't have the full amount of your mortgage sitting in a savings account. Mm-hmm. And we, we always tell people that this personal finance stuff, getting out of debt, it's much more than just math on paper. It's peace. It's option. It's margin. And when you don't have a house payment, you are so free to make different decisions with where are we going to live? Can the spouse stay at home? And it's hard to do that when you have the mortgage hanging over your head. And so I'll tell you as someone who paid off his house, even with a low interest rate, that I would go back and do it all over again if I had to, because not having a house payment, being totally free, not owing anyone anything is simply a more peaceful, better way to live. And it's hard to put that on paper for those that want to you know, crunch numbers mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and argue with me. Wow. That's uh, maybe the best answer to that question that I've ever had. And, and you know, I think you're right. You, you talk about peace, and uh, it's so cool that Dave's uh, university is Financial Peace University. That uh, middle word is one of the biggest aspects of what it means to be able to be out of debt is that you're not having to live with that pressure. And man, I remember, uh, I've uh, shared this on the air before, I'll do the quick story now. But I, when I was a kid, George, I was walking 
through the woods that was right across the street. Uh, this plot, it was like a big green belt, right? Before, we lived on the last street of our city, and there was uh, like a little small forest that really commenced right across the street. So we, as a kid, we didn't have things like they have today. There was no internet, and really we didn't watch much TV in those days. We spent our entire days outdoors roaming, and I walked one day in that woods. I walked right while I was looking up at squirrels, walked right into a sticker bush, and my arm was caught in this bush. It just grabbed me like nobody's business, and I just missed it. And I, I had this brilliant idea that I would just get out of it suddenly. And I ripped my arm away from that bush and I got out of it. And every sticker that was stuck in my arm sliced my flesh and my arm, my arm is bleeding. And I learned a lesson that it would have been much better to have gotten out of that bush one sticker at a time than it was to just jerk my whole arm out. And that principle is really what we need to do, understanding this whole thing about the debt snowball, right? Oh, absolutely. Too many of us are doing 17 things at once, doing too much at once, and then wondering why we're not making progress in any area. And that's why we tell people, hey, when you're trying to get out of debt, you have to pause investing. You can't save up for the vacation and try to get out of debt. You have to be very focused. Focus Mm -hmm. intensity is what it takes to get out once and for all. And I, I, when people call on the show, they're always trying to do so many things at once as we dig into the questions. And it's hard because you feel like you should be doing all these things at once. And they're all good things. Saving for retirement is great. Saving for a vacation is great. Saving for the new car is great. But you have to do it one at a time when it comes to the baby steps and getting out of debt. And you'll soon be on the other side, back to investing even more, saving with plenty of margin in the budget. But you got to start somewhere. And yeah. uh, the baby steps are the path. And it's worked for 10 million people. And that's enough social proof for me. Yeah. And the, you, this whole thing of social media today, uh, I would imagine that social media is one of the greatest sources of uh, providing for people this image that they've got to live up to. And they've got to have the car that's really super nice. They've got to have a, a late model car and a home. I, I know there's a lot of comparing that goes on with social media. Do you find that to be true? Oh, absolutely. And while these generations, you know, these younger generations have access to all of the information at their fingertips, we also see everyone's life at our fingertips. Back in the day, I only knew what my neighbor was doing. And now I know what people are doing across the world, and I know what my friends are doing 24-7 thanks to social media feeds. Mm-hmm. And so that's something we have to get our blinders on and go, listen, number one, they might be living a facade. They might be stressed and broke, and they're trying to have this facade of, I'm doing well, I'm successful, I'm wealthy, look at us, look at the car we got, look at these house keys to this beautiful home. But the other piece of it is, you're running your own race, the one set before you, and trying to run someone else's race, there's no finish line. You're always going to be striving and chasing and never happy and never content. And so being grateful for what you have, having your own goals that are aside from everyone else's and realizing that your life is going to look different and that's okay. You wow. might be driving that crappy car for years longer than you want to yeah. while your buddy has leased this beautiful luxury vehicle that he really can't afford. But I would find new people to hang out with if that's you. Get a yeah. different environment, change your inputs, unfollow that influencer on social media causing you to feel this way um, and realize that you have so many blessings in your life. You know, living in this country, we take for granted just how great our life is if we can just put food on the table, cover shelter, utilities, and put gas in the car Mm -hmm. and have a a job that pays. That alone is a huge blessing, and we are one of the wealthiest countries in America, but we also are the land of comparison and home of the broke. And so we have to make changes, (laughs) and we've got to set our own goals that aren't aligned with culture's goals. The land of comparisons and the home of the broke. That is a, (laughs) that's a real appropriate appraisal of where we are in in this nation right now. We are, we're just going debt. I mean, watching that uh, trillion mark just continuing to go into the trillions now of the national debt. It's crazy. Yeah. If that doesn't bother anybody, I tell you, it, it's, uh, there's something wrong with this. It should be bothering us all. Well, what is December looking like for those of you up in the Ramsey Solutions? What's this month hold for you? 
Well, we do our annual giving show on December 18th, and we've got some special surprises that we have planned. We take calls of generosity. And so if your listeners out there, we'd love for them to be a part of this. You can go to RamseySolutions.com slash ask, and you can put in the subject line giving and share their stories of generosity, whether they were on the receiving end or they were on the giving end. We just want to inspire people. And on top of that, of course, we're, we're excited for the launch of my new book, Breaking Free from Broke, that comes out in January. And so it's on pre-sale now, and we're getting excited as, as people start to relook at their finances with the year ahead going, this is the year we're going to stop living paycheck to paycheck. This is the year we're finally going to get rid of the debt. And so I hope this book blesses a whole lot of people out there. Give us about a one-minute snapshot as to what that book, what it contains. Absolutely. So Breaking Free from Broke, the subtitle is The Ultimate Guide to More Money and Less Stress. And of course, I share my story of going from broke to millionaire over the course of a decade. But really, in the first two-thirds, I unpack this broken financial system that is designed to keep us broke and how we all have sort of fallen into this path. And I unpack the real truth about credit scores and credit cards and student loans and auto loans and mortgages and investing traps to help you break through the noise and create this paradigm shift. And in the last third, I show you how to break free from this system that you've been chained to and live a life with more peace, more options, more margin, more joy. And it looks a lot like getting on a budget and getting that spending under control and getting the emergency fund in place. And I talk about how wealth is patience and generosity is the most fun you can have with money. And uh, I hope that all of that leads you to this place where you walk away with a smile on your face and you go, you know what, I'm going to choose hope tomorrow instead of cynicism towards what's going on in this country and the economy and with my finances, I hope you choose hope. That's how I end the book. And it's the book you can hand to the person who's 25 who needs to hope or 55 who needs to hope. And I wrote it in a way that's conversational with tons of research and lots of humor to keep you entertained along the way. Uh, I'm going to get that and read it. I do not have, obviously, that one yet. You said it is in pre-sale right now, and it will be coming out in January? January 16th is the launch date. So everyone, if you go get the book now, we'll, we're going to give you, because Dave is generous. He said, give him the ebook for free, the audiobook for free. We've got every dollar for three months premium you can get for free if you buy the book. And it's just 20 bucks at RamseySolutions.com slash store, and you get $100 worth of those bonus items on us. Wow. There you go, friends. RamseySolutions.com. That's, that's the uh, website, right? Yes, and you can go to the store page, and you'll see that book at the bright orange book. You can't miss it. All right. George Camel, thank you for being with me today on the program. It's been a delight to get to know you, and can't wait to get up there and see this incredible operation in in the flesh and watch it eye to eye. I'd love to be up there to watch you guys when you co-host, my friend. We look forward to it, Mike. Thank you for what you do, and I know your listeners are blessed by what you guys provide every day. Well, thank you. And friends, thanks for joining us for yet another program. We'll see you the next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.